0: Hello again. Thank you for subscribing and listening to this podcast of Chronicles of War. I'm Darren Michael Shaw, the story's author. I'm really honored to have you following this story. In just a month now, I've seen subscribers from states all around America and several countries around the world have signed up. In just the last few hours, brand new subscribers have joined us from Florida, Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, and Maryland. Welcome and thank you. Thank you also for helping me get the word out about Chronicles of War. If you're enjoying the story, please tell others about it. A couple of subscribers have emailed and asked me for more historical information on the Battle of Arkansas Post. There's some very informative websites out there. I posted links to a couple of them on my website, www.DarrenMichaelshaw.com. If you're one of those folks who would like to know more, you can go there for information. Now. It's my privilege to present to you Episode 6 of Chronicles of War. Both new to Iowa. They were new to America, for that matter, both of them born and raised in New Brunswick. And though they were from the same area, they arrived in Iowa for different reasons. Harriet's father to start his own business, DeWitt's very own sawmill, and Job's father hoping to make a fortune on the railroad expansion. The Turner family sawmill struggled to compete with the larger operations in Clinton. Job's father, meanwhile, had underestimated the rigors of rail work and the toll his constantly being away would exact on his family. By the time Job and Harriet were married, each of their families were struggling just to survive. When they married, Job went to work for his father-in-law. The business failing, the two men converted the family sawmill into a gristmill and in so doing were able to eke out a little bit more of an existence. Job and Harriet, for their part, hoped simply to clear enough money to buy a small farm. Job wanted to be a farmer. Dirt on my boots and dung on my hands, he would say. It was clear, however, that the money he could make working for his father-in-law wouldn't catch up to land prices. Just when Job was ready to set aside his dream of a homestead, a government land grant brought new life to those dreams and assured that the Trites family farm would become a reality. Harriet recalled the day of that great news and their laughter and joy. God always seemed to work things out in ways that they hadn't foreseen. This war too, she thought, it will all work out. As the advance on Arkansas Post continued, men to Job's left and his right were being killed, and just as quickly, a replacement seemed to take their place. The damage that a mini ball would inflict in striking a human being was incredible. When it hit bone, it would expand, it would so thoroughly crush bone into fragment that it left little to repair. When it hit soft tissue, a gut shot as they called it, it would tear in a way far more violent than old smoothbore musket shot would. Job had seen one man lose an entire five-inch stretch of his thigh to one shot. He witnessed another take a shot to the lower leg that peeled the flesh and the muscle completely away, leaving both bones perfectly intact, although completely exposed. He saw another man's hand cleanly severed at the wrist by a single shot. Job had earlier derided the work of field surgeons that he'd seen. Butchery, he had called it. But now he wondered how doctors could offer anything short of amputation, given the severity of most of these wounds. As they continued forward, the young man directly in front of Job lowered his face for cover, and was caught at once by a shot directly on the crown of his head shards of that young man's skull were sent in all directions, and Job was sprayed with the man's blood. It left him momentarily disoriented. He wasn't at all sure that he hadn't been hit himself. To each side of him, however, the line pressed on. He gathered himself, and then crawling through the young man's remains, Job pressed on also. He wondered, how much longer can this go on? His calmness under fire surprised him. He wasn't particularly worried about being wounded. In fact, he was pretty resolved to the idea that he might die here today. It was a surreal experience, like he was having a very in-depth conversation in his own head. He marveled at his certainty that though Union soldiers were dying in escalating numbers all around him, they were in fact winning the battle. In his delirium, he could tease himself. We'll lose 15,000 soldiers here today to capture 5,000 rebels and we win. The bloodiest of the fight was to the left side of Hinman where the 26th led the advance. Colonel Milo Smith continued to direct his men forward displaying heroic courage as he called his men to follow him up and down the lines. For his bravery First Lieutenant James Patterson was hit as he signaled an advance. A gut shot that very much left his survival in doubt. Even as he slumped, staring his own mortality in the face, he continued to bark out instructions to his advancing lines. General McClernand received a courier with update at two hours past noon. One hour into the assault and Sherman's and Morgan's men were already heavily engaged with rebels at their works. The rebels, however, were defending their positions with the utmost bravery. The guns of Fort Hinman had not been silenced. McClernand was indignant. All the wishes for engagement, Job scoffed to himself. For weeks the men of the twenty-six had bemoaned their lack of action. The younger the soldier, the more anxious they had been for their place in turning back the rebellion. Was this what they had been so impatient for? Job looked around during a momentary lull in the fighting. To a man, now, they all looked like they longed for another march in the fields over this. Word reached Job's friend William English that his younger brother Samuel had been wounded, but was tended to by the field surgeon and assisted back to the transport. That phrase, tended to by the surgeon, struck fear in every soldier's heart. Job tried not to imagine the worst. He very briefly conjured up a picture of his going home, less his limbs. I believe, Lord, I'd rather die in the glory of this cause "'than to be tended to by a field surgeon,' Job prayed silently. "'Another look around, and Job noticed that he didn't recognize "'several of the men beside him. "'The reason was obvious. "'The men of his company, Company H, had taken a number of casualties. "'Job didn't see Peter Bacholt or John Henderson, two young friends of Thomas the Cooper, "'and schoolmates of his daughter, Nancy Ann. "'Dear Lord,' Job begged, "'let them be alive.' so great a cost this cause was exacting, and this was but one small battle of hundreds. Job shuddered to think that this scenario was playing out on numerous battlefields, and scores of townships were losing their next generation. Mr. Trites, this is Johnny Henderson, Thomas had introduced them. John, sir, Johnny corrected him. Johnny is a boy's name, and I'm a man now. Yes, you are, Job agreed, giving John a firm handshake. I know Mrs. Trites, he said. She was my Sunday school teacher when I was young. Job smiled at the innocence with which John described himself when I was young. Well, then, Job proposed, you should join in with young Thomas and me as we discuss all matters pertaining to life, death, and faith each night before our heads hit the bedroll. John said, I'd like that. Count me in. Young John Henderson never did join their nightly discussion. For a little while, he had offered an excuse each night, needing to get to sleep early, or feeling a little under the weather, or having to post a letter before the dispatch. But Thomas and Job had both figured out what was actually happening. A number of the younger men had found their way into the nightly card games. Assuming that Job would disapprove, John found it easier to make up a story. Well, this concludes Episode 6 of Chronicles of War. You can download individual episodes or subscribe to the podcast at my website, www.darenmichaelshaw.com. You can also find Chronicles of War on iTunes and through other audio, media, and podcast services. You can reach me by email. That address is darren at darrenmichaelshaw.com. Drop me a line. Thank you again for tuning in and allowing me to share this story with you. Until next time, blessings.